please turn your Bibles to Joshua 21. As you turn there, let me just kind of re- remind you a couple things here. First of all, um, we, uh, we do want to invite those of you who are new to our church. Maybe today's your first uh, Sunday or you've only been here a little bit of time. Or, or actually, if you've never been to a newcomer's lunch, uh, we'd love to have you uh, right after this service across the hall. Uh, join us for lunch. Love to love to get to know you better. Several of uh, uh, myself and other leaders will be there. Love to get the chance to be able to to spend some time with those of you who are newer to our church. Answer any questions you might have, or just enjoy time of fellowship. It's a special day in the life of our community. Uh, we're celebrating or observing the anniversary of the tornado that that hit uh, our community six years ago, and so we're we're thankful to the Lord for His. Uh, preservation of our, of our church and of our community and for God's continued grace as we seek to, as we seek to worship him in, in this place. Let me remind you a little bit about where we are in the book of Joshua. We've been making our way through this, this book, talking about God's kingdom promises and how God's going to fulfill all of his kingdom promises, just as he fulfilled the, the kingdom promises that he made to his people the Israelites, so he will fulfill all the kingdom promises, promises that he's made to you and me, uh, his, his people. What's going on in, in this part? So we're kind of in a section that deals, goes from chapter 31 through 21 as the Israelites divide up the land. Really, chapter 22, we're going to talk about that next week. Kind of we'll tag that on to this section as well as it deals with a situation that takes place right after they divide up the land. So in, in these chapters, Joshua and the other leaders are dividing the, the inheritance of the tribes. If you ever are looking at the back of your Bible and you see one of those maps where it has all the names of the tribes and where their area, their land was in the, the promised land, that's, that's what's taking place here. Joshua and the leaders are saying, okay, Zebulun, you go here, and Issachar, you're going to go here, and Judah, you're going to go here, and Simeon, you're going to get this crazy spot in the middle. I mean, that's kind of what's taking place as we go through these chapters. So remember last week, we dealt in chapter 13, there was the, uh, the reminder of the inheritance that took place on the eastern side of the river. Then you come into chapter 14 and 15, and you deal with the inheritance for the tribe of Judah, and then chapter 16 deals with the tribe of Ephraim, chapter 17, Manasseh, chapter 18. They say, hey, we got a lot to go. We need to speed this thing up. And they talk about the tribe of Benjamin. And then chapter 19, it's, it's everybody else. And then you come to chapters 20 and 21, and you deal more specifically with the inheritance of the Levites. Now, the Levites did not receive an inheritance like everyone else. In fact, as we're going to see this morning, God was very specific. You do not receive an inheritance in the land like your brothers. And he's going to tell them, I'm your inheritance. And so this morning we're going to be looking at what what does that mean that God is their inheritance? What does it mean for us to live like the Levites? But let's read together. And again, I'm encouraging you to read these uh, chapters during the week. Uh, with, your, as your, with yourself or with friends, your small group, with your family, 
and we're going to read the end, uh, the beginning of the end of chapter 21, and then next week we're going to be looking at chapter 22, so I encourage you to read that on your own as well. But if you would, stand with me in honor of God, if you're able to, uh, as we read the beginning of chapter 21 and the end. And this is, again, we're now, they're turning their attention to the Levites. The Levites are going to receive some cities out of the inheritance of their brothers. So not inheritance like everyone else, but some cities in which they can live. And so verse 1 of chapter 21 of Joshua says, Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest, and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, The Lord commanded Moses that we be given cities to dwell in along with their pasture lands for our livestock. And so by command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave to the Levites the following cities and pasture lands out of their inheritance. And he goes through and he describes each of the clans of the Levites receiving their inheritance and the tribes giving them their inheritance. And then we come to verse 41 of chapter 21. The cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the people of Israel were in all 48 cities with their pasture lands. These cities each had its pasture lands round it, so it was with all these cities. Thus, the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. You may be seated. And Heavenly Father, we would ask that your good promises in our lives would also come to fruition, that you and your grace would allow us to experience the joy of kingdom living. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So last week, we began talking about how the inheritance that the Israelites inherit is is a picture of the inheritance that that we also are going to possess. It's a picture of, of how we should understand God's faithfulness in giving us our inheritance. And we'll continue to do so this morning as we look at Joshua and this division of the territory. And there's a question I want you to kind of think about with me. We've, we've already alluded to it during the, the Lord's Supper. But here's a question I want you to kind of ponder with me as, as we look at these chapters. What is your greatest treasure? What is that, that relationship or that possession that you would not trade for, for anything? If someone offered you all the, the wealth of the world, you would say, thanks but no thanks. What is that treasure that if you didn't have, you would give up everything you had willingly in order to obtain it? As we've talked about before, we can tell how much we value something by what we would trade in order to obtain it or what we would refuse to, to give away in order to keep it. You can tell what you treasure truly by your actions. Your values are, are revealed by your conduct, right? Uh, this, this past week, Whitney came to me and she said, hey, I think we should go 
see Hannah. She's going to be in, in Memphis with her cross-country team. I think we should go to Memphis and, and see Hannah. I said, well, you know, of course, I want to see Hannah too. It's been three months since I've seen my little girl, but you know, um, Memphis is it's, it's seven hours away. And then Whitney said, but, but we'll get to see Hannah. I said, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point, good point. Um, but, you know, we've, we've got a lot of things going on that weekend. This is not a, an easy weekend for us to get away. And Whitney said, yes, but we'll get to see Hannah. And I said, yeah, but not, not for very long. Uh, it's not going to be very, we're not going to have a very long, long time with her. She said, yeah, true, but we'll get to see Hannah. She's not even, I said, she's not even going to run the cross-country meet. You know, she's going to be uh, not able to run because of her injury. And so, I, I don't know. And when he said, yeah, good point. But we'll get to see Hannah. So we went down to Memphis, of course. And, and I am so grateful I have a wife who values things the way that she values things, right? Because I'll tell you this. You know, the first, the first second of getting to see my daughter, that first millisecond of, of, of hugging my daughter was worth all the, all the frustrations of, of the things we had to do this, this weekend, all the, the time we spent in the car, worth it, no question, right? Grateful I have a wife with good values. Sadly, oftentimes our, our conduct reveals that the things that we value aren't things that we should value. We, we look at what we do, and, and we, we, we have to question, okay, do I value what I, I want to value? Does the hours I spend at work, do the hours I spend at work compared to the hours I spend at home, what, what does that say about my values? I'm, I'm concerned about that, or the, the, the things I refuse to, to give, the, the attitudes that I, that I have, my, my neglect of spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading God's word, my actions can sometimes reveal some very disturbing things about what I, I think I value. Sometimes my actions reveal that what I, what I think I value, may, maybe I don't truly value. And, and indeed, as I'm confronted sometimes, I look at my actions and say, okay, I, I need to either change what I'm doing to reflect what I truly value, or I need to be honest with myself about what I really value, Right? Hopefully this morning's message is, is, is a message that helps you check your values as you think about your conduct, as you think about what you do. We're here looking in these chapters at the Israelites dividing their inheritance, and we're specifically looking at this tribe, the Levites. We're going to look at chapters 20 and 21 a little bit, but, but also as, as you go throughout all these chapters, the Levites are mentioned more frequently than any other tribe individually. We're going to see, see why that is. We're going to see the Levites don't get an inheritance. They're, they're left out. We're going to see they are told they have a far greater inheritance in God, and their lack of a physical inheritance points people to the, the truth that God is the ultimate inheritance, not just for the Levites, but for all of the Israelites, and not just for all of the Israelites, but for all of those of us who would call ourselves the people of God. God is our ultimate inheritance, and so we need to live like the Levites do pointing ourselves and others to this truth that God is our ultimate inheritance. In fact, here's kind of the, the central idea, the big idea that I want you to, to think about with me. My life, my life should constantly proclaim that I believe Christ is the greatest treasure I could ever possess. As we look at the Levites, 
and, and we look at their inheritance and, and what their lives reveal to the people of Israel, we, we see that their lives are, are gospel-proclaiming lives, and my life also should constantly proclaim the, the truth that I believe that Christ is the greatest treasure I could ever possess. So we're going to look at several things about the life of the Levites as we look at these chapters. My life should constantly, should be a constant proclamation that I believe that Christ is the greatest treasure I could ever hope to possess. So let's look at the first truth as we think about the life of the Levites. The first thing that we, we see as we look at the life of the Levites is that our task is to communicate God's gospel. Our task is to communicate God's gospel. Now let's, let's talk a little bit about who the Levites are before we look at these chapters. Kind of, here, here's three kind of things to think about as we think about the Levites. Remember the Levites are, are one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Here, here's, here's the first thing. The Levites, remember, the Levites are set apart for service to God, not because of their own merits, but because of God's grace. The Levites are are set apart. One of the things to remember about the Levites is that the Levites were set apart not because of their own merits, but because of God's grace. In other words, God didn't say, okay, let me let me look at these 12 tribes and find out which is the best one. I'm going to set that tribe apart. No, he, he, he chooses the Levites simply because of his grace. The Levites begin with their father, Levi, in Genesis 34. Uh, we see kind of a, a, a shaky start to the Levites. In Genesis 34, Levi and his brother Simeon are, are rightly outraged at their, their sister's uh, rape and assault, and so they, they, exact, they enact vengeance, but their vengeance is unchecked. Instead of just dealing with a person who violated their sister, they end up killing all the men in an entire city for what this one man had done. And, and when it comes time to bless his sons, Israel looks at Levi, and instead of blessing Levi, he, he curses his anger. He says, you know, cursed be the, the anger of Levi. And so how do they become the priests? Now, there, there's some good things that the tribe of Levi does in the book of Exodus, 32, in chapter 32. There's a zeal to defend God's glory. But as we look at the priests, we often see them, that, that line, making just, just terrible mistakes. So how did they get to be the Levites? How did they get to be the, the people who would be uh, set apart for God's service? Well, God's grace. It's an important thing to remember as we look at the Levites. Another thing, as we think about the Levites, I think it's important to remember, is remember the Levites were chosen by God, they're set apart by God, but, but for a special purpose. What was that purpose? To mediate between God and his people, to, to help the people worship God. Deuteronomy 33, Moses is, is blessing the tribes, and of Levi, Moses says, give to Levi your Thummim and your Urim. Those were instruments that, by which they could discern God's will. So he says, okay, give in his direction. He says, give them those things, allow them to, to teach you God's direction. They shall teach Jacob, this is Moses speaking, they shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and whole burnt offering on your altar. He's, he's talking to God there. In other words, he's saying, Levi, the, the blessing on Levi is that they are going to be the people who teach God's law and who help the people understand what God would have them do and who, who intercede for them. They're, they're the people who allow the other people, by, by their performing the, the priestly duties, they allow the people to live in the presence of God. And then another thing to think about the Levites here 
the Levites are, are a picture of, of a key gospel truth that Christ died in our place. So well, how, did, how did the Levites serve as a picture that Christ died in our place? Listen to what God says about the Levites in Numbers chapter 8. He says, the Levites, this is God speaking in Numbers chapter 8, verse 16. He says, the Levites are wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. Instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of all the people of Israel, I've taken them for myself. In other words, he says, I, all the firstborn belong to me. He said this since Exodus. All the firstborn are mine, but instead of taking all your, your firstborn children, I'm going to take the Levites as the representatives. They're going to stand in, in place of your firstborn. I've taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and I've given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting and to make atonement for the people of Israel that they may they may be no that there may be no plague among the people of Israel when the people of Israel come near the sanctuary. So the Levites are a group of people who have been chosen by God, not because of their merit, but because of his grace, and they, they stand as representatives of, of the people. They, they stand as a substitution for the firstborn. They're, they're there as the, the people of God, that God, God, God takes them as his own, and they're in charge of mediating between the people of God, allowing the people of God to live in the presence of God without being destroyed. They offer the sacrifices. They teach people God's law. They allow people to live in the presence of God. Here's one more thing about the the, the Levites that that may help you as you read through the Old Testament. This can be kind of confusing sometimes. There are three, so here's Levi, right? And then there are three clans within the Levites. There's the Kohathites, the Gershonites, and the Merites, okay? And so so there's, there's Levites and then three clans. And Aaron is a Kohathite. So here's Levi, Kohath, and Aaron, okay? And it's Aaron's sons that are the priests. So in other words, all priests are Levites. All priests are from this, this clan of, of Kohath, but, but not all Kohathites are priests, not all Levites are priests, okay? So Levites and priests aren't, sometimes they're used interchangeably in Scripture, but it's not always exactly the same. Now, all Levites, all Levites are engaged in ministries of, of helping the people engage in worship. So one of the clans was in charge of, like, uh, carrying the, the tabernacle uh, structure. Another clan was in charge of, like, carrying some of the instruments used. But all the Levites are involved in helping the people worship God. It's who we truly are that's, that's revealed in, in our actions, right? The Levites serve as, as, as those who proclaim gospel truths by their ministry and by their very existence. You look at the Levites and you say, okay, God took the Levites instead of me or my firstborn. You look at the Levites and, and you understand that, that the people who are involved in the service of God are, are, are involved in the service of God simply by God's grace. The Levites, by how they live their lives, their very existence is constantly communicating the gospel. The same should be true for us, right? 
1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You believers, you're a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that he may that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our existence as well is to be a, a constant proclamation of the good news of the gospel. Uh, this, this week, I was uh, talking with, with uh, Art, uh, Pastor Art and, and Rich, and we were having lunch together, and I, I was talking about, this on Wednesday, I was, I was talking about this this new thing called Disney Plus, and and I was I was thinking about you know maybe we, maybe maybe our family should get it and we love old Disney movies and stuff like that and and I you know kind of waited a while and then later I mentioned it again and, and Art Art said like what are you a Mouseketeer like <laughs> do, do you get some sort of special commission from from selling Disney Plus and I'm like no I'm just kind of excited about it right the the things that we're excited about what do we do. We, we, we talk about them. Our very existence, our very life should be a vivid picture of the truth that we've been forever altered by God's incredible grace and we're excited about the same basic truths that are proclaimed by the Levites should be communicated by us. We've, we've received grace we don't deserve. We, we have been recipients of, of God's mediatory grace. We, we believe in, in the, the penal substitutionary atonement that, that someone died as a substitute for us, that Christ took the penalty that we deserved, and now we have life. Just as the Levites took the place of the Israelites, so Christ has taken our life. We, and, and the fact that that is true and that we believe it and that we possess Christ should be constantly communicated in our lives. How can I be a bitter person. How, how can I be a bitter person if the person that I have wronged more than anyone else in the universe has completely forgiven me and given me eternal life? How can I be an angry person if I've received the gospel? How can I be a person who doesn't forgive? How can I be a person who's, who's anxious if my greatest need has been, net, has been met by, by God and his grace there is, by God's grace, no reason that I should be bitter or angry or live with, an, with a, an anxious heart. Now, all of us are going to struggle with those things to some degree. The question is, is the story of the redemption that God has worked by his grace permeated my life to such a degree that people look at me and they see Christ? My task is to communicate God's gospel. Now, here's a second truth we look at and we learn from the Levites. Number two our inheritance is, is, is the Lord. Our, our task is to communicate the gospel. Our, our inheritance is the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something in, in these chapters. As we look at, at Joshua, and in fact, as we look at all the Old Testament, we see that the land that God has promised them is good, right? God says it's, it's a land flowing with, with milk and honey. It's, it's good to want it. But what we also see as we go through the Old Testament is that there's more to this land than just the land. There, there's more to the promise of the land than just the promise of the land. As we look at the Levites, we see that their inheritance, their inheritance that the, the, the tribes possess points to something deeper that the Levites proclaim. So turn back to to Joshua 13, if you would. And I want you to notice something. I want you to notice. So he's talking about 
this inheritance that, that all the tribes are going to receive. And he keeps mentioning the Levites, and he, he, he mentions them at, at strategic points at, at the beginning of, of each section. So we're here in, in Joshua 13, and he begins to talk about the inheritance that they're going to get, the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan. And then look at verse, uh, look at verse 14. It says, but to the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord of Israel, the Lord God of Israel, are their inheritance as he said to them. Well, that's kind of an interesting thing to to insert there, right? Then you turn to the end of the chapter, and he kind of concludes talking about all the things that the two and a half tribes on the east side of the river got. And then he says, Verse 32, these are the inheritance. Verse 33, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The, the Lord, God of Israel, is their inheritance, just as he said to them. Then you come into chapter 14, and he begins talking about the, the tribes on the west side of the Jordan. And he says in verse 3, for Moses had given an inheritance to the two and a half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the, the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in with their pasture lands for their livestock and their sustenance. Then you turn over to chapter 18. He goes through and begins describing all of the the allotments of different tribes. And then verse 18, they realize they got a lot more to go. And before he gets to the other tribes, verse 7, the Levites have no portion among you. For why? The priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. Now, why does he keep mentioning that, that the Levites get nothing? See, he's going to begin a section, he goes, oh, by the way, Levites... You get nothing. Yeah, Moses, we, we know, thanks. No, no, it's good. All right, now to the West guys. Oh, Levites. Yeah, we know. We don't get land. Yeah, good, just want you to know. Okay, now everybody else. Oh, by the way, Levites, we know, Moses, we don't have an inheritance. Is, is he being mean? <laughs> like, sometimes when I'm uh, with my children and uh, one, children, one child will be there on the couch or someone will say, hey, Ellie, uh, would you like some ice cream? And she said, well, yes, I would love some ice cream. Okay, good, good. And then, and then uh, I, I know that he's going to do this because he's, he's such a, a nice young man, but my, my other son will come and say, uh, say, Dad, can I have some ice cream too? He, he could have just gone and had some, but he's nice, and so he's asking. And I just, I like to say, no, uh, no, you may not. I'm sorry, um, but I think it's just better this way. And he, he knows that I'm kidding, He's pretty sure that I'm kidding. Um, and he has ice cream. We all have ice cream. But is, that, is, like, is Moses teasing the Levites? Hey, by the way, everyone gets lots of land. Levites, nothing. Or, or is there something, something deeper going on here? This, this idea is repeated throughout the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 18, uh, the, the Levites shall have no portion. They, they'll eat the Lord's food offering as their inheritance. So they'll have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. Numbers 18, the Levites, you shall have no inheritance in the land. I'm your portion. I'm your inheritance. To the Levites, I've given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance. Uh, verse 23 among the people of Israel, they shall have no inheritance for the tithes of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord. I've, I've given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 10.9, therefore, Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to them. 
Now, as we come to the, the cities that the Levites are going to get, they, don't, they, they have some cities that they can live in, but these are cities that are given to them by, by the others who've received an inheritance. And so all that the Levites get is, is God gives it to the people, and the people give it to the, to the Levites. The Levites have no, no stake of their own. Why is that? It's to reveal first to the Levites that God is the ultimate inheritance. And then, as the, as the Levites live in, in sustained worship of God and trusting in him, it reveals to the other Israelites as well, okay, we get it, God is ultimately our inheritance. The Levites don't have a, a land that they can call their own. They're, con, they're constantly dependent upon the provision of the other tribes. And this focus helps all Israel realize, ultimately, they're, they're sojourners, just like the Levites, just like this... That the Levites recognize they're, they're sojourners. God himself is, is ultimately the one who's going to provide a permanent place for them. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 39. 39, 12, the psalmist says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a, I'm a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Psalm 16, 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Those who believed in God, who trusted him and walked in obedience, realized that God was their ultimate inheritance. And that this, even this, this, this permanence of the land was eternally temporary. It's a powerful message. Levites give a powerful message of the impermanence of this life. When we're travelers, we're sojourners, right? This this weekend, oh, I, I usually have this. I usually have this. Uh, I have this Evernote list that I, that I check to make sure that I've, I've packed everything. We were in such a hurry. I was like, you know what? It's we're gonna be gone like a little over twenty four hours. Surely, surely I will not forget something. I forgot like eight things. It was it was just pathetic. But it's okay. It's a short time. When when you pack. You know, I have I have my regular toothpaste and I have my travel toothpaste, right? I have my I have my like uh, regular shampoo and then I have my travel shampoo. It's it's smaller, it's temporary, it's it's for it's for a small amount of time. I I, I sleep in a, a bed that's not my own. We we slept in this 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 bed on Friday night and uh, there was like a, a pacing convention on and the floor on the it's like everybody that likes to pace was just have they'd gotten room 304 right above our room in 204 and just decided they were going to kind of pace all night in wooden like it was a dutch you know dutch wooden shoes <laughs> pacing convention right it's okay it's one night it's temporary it doesn't last you know as we look at the levites we say okay we we, we get it our inheritance is, is not ultimately this, this stuff. We recognize that God gives us stuff. There's nothing we have that doesn't come from God, and we, we thank him for it, and we enjoy it. But as we, as we receive things, we say, okay, I understand ultimately that my inheritance is the Lord. Revelation 21 is this beautiful passage that describes the, the heavenly kingdom as, as the, the fullness of God's kingdom that has already begun now, that we're beginning to see the, 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 the first fruits of. We see it revealed in all its fullness. There's a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. He says, I saw 
saw the holy city. Uh, verse 3 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So there's this, this fullness of receiving the inheritance. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Later he says, I, I make all things new. Then verse 6, he said to me, it's, it's done. I'm the, I'm the alpha, I'm the omega, I'm the beginning, the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water life without payment. Listen to what he says in verse 7. The one who conquers, we talked about that last week, the one who conquers will have this heritage, will have this inheritance, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. What is our inheritance? Is our inheritance a place with no tears? Yes. Is our ultimate inheritance, the fullness of God's kingdom that's beginning now, being, being fully realized, is, is that our inheritance? Well, yes. Is our inheritance seeing loved ones in the Lord again? Yes. But is that the fullness of our inheritance? No. The, the ultimate inheritance that we have is, is, is the Lord I will be his God and he will be my son, God says. God himself will be with them as their God. The fullness of our inheritance, brothers and sisters in Christ, is the Lord. That is our inheritance. You know, I was, I was thinking about, I was looking through some old documents from the church plant. And, you know, we, we bought this, this land out on, on Dutch, between Dutch and 24. We bought it in in 2005, in 2005, someone brought me a, a, a survey and, and showed me, okay, this is the land. I can remember just looking at that being excited about that, right? I'm, and then we, we begin to, to build on it, and then hopefully this time or so next year, we're going to be, we're going to be worshiping in that, on, that, on, that, on that space, in that location. And a few weeks ago, I, I stood on the stage that, I'll be standing on, Lord willing, if, if the Lord allows, in, in a year or so, worshiping with the people of God. That's, that's exciting to think about, right? But what if we all got together and sang in our cool new building, and, and I was able to teach in our new, new building, but we didn't have the Lord? Without the Lord, who, who cares? It, it's nothing. Do you believe that the Lord is, is your inheritance? You, you see how crucial it is to understand it. Ephesians 1 that describes the, the Lord being our inheritance. And he prays, he says, I, I pray that you would know that the Lord would give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened and you would know the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You and I, in order to live the life that God has called us to live, must understand our inheritance. The Levites as they live temporary lives, reveal that their hope and their inheritance is in the Lord. You and I, as we respond rightly to the material things that God has given us and show that our hope ultimately is in the Lord in terms of our relationships, in terms of how we view each other, in terms of how we view our stuff, we reveal that our inheritance is the Lord. Two more things about the Levites. Two more things from, from chapters 20 and 21. Number three, 
we look at the Levites and we learn that our lives are places of refuge for those who need hope, grace, and redemption. Chapter 20 describes the cities of refuge, and we've talked about those before. And if you want to learn more about those, you can look at our, the sermon on Numbers chapter 34. We, we talked about the cities of refuge. But what we see is in the cities of refuge is a place that those who have committed a crime, and, and yet it, it was an accidental taking of life, not a premeditated murder. They can go and they can receive grace. Blood requires blood, but here priests can intervene and they can live here until the death of the high priest. We see that our lives, like the lives of Levites, are to be places for those who need refuge, who need hope, grace, and redemption. Here's, here's the fourth truth. The fourth truth is this. Our placement by God is, is providentially strategic. You, you come to chapter 21, and as you look through chapter 21, you see that the, both the cities of refuge and the, the other cities that the Levites are to live in are, are scattered throughout these, these 12 tribes. So half the cities of refuge, for example, are on one side of the Jordan River and half are on the other side. And, and all of these, these different uh, territories receive these, these cities of the Levites. I think it was on average, like four, well, obviously, on average, it'd be four, four um, tribes, uh, four cities per tribe. Our life also has been placed by God in, in strategic places. So just like the Levites are these mediators of God's message of grace throughout, scattered throughout the people, uh, God has providentially placed us as well. Acts 1.8, God tells Jesus tells his disciples that you're they're to go in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the remotest parts of the earth. Then you come into chapter 8 of Acts, and, and there's a persecution. And it says they're, they're persecuted and they're scattered. They're scattered to the regions of Judea and Samaria. And, and as they're scattered, they're preaching the word, it says. God strategically places us to be instruments of grace. God brings about his plan not in ways that you and I would necessarily anticipate. And by God's grace, you have been placed in places that, that other people in this room have not. You are in a unique position in, in your, your friendships. You're in a unique place in your workplace. You're in a unique situation in, in your family structure. God has placed you providentially to be messengers of grace by his enabling work in your life to proclaim the gospel. How are you going to do that? It happens as we recognize that the Lord is our inheritance. As we recognize that the Lord is in our inheritance and place our ultimate value in him, we have the ability to, to proclaim his grace. There's a, a, a children's a fantasy uh, novel. I'm not, series of novels. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the name yet or not. Um, but they're very famous uh, book, uh, children's books. And there, there's this, there's this uh, object in one of the books. It's a, it's a mirror. And a person can stand in front of this mirror, and as they look at this mirror, they're, they're, they, they see their greatest heart's desire. Their greatest heart's desire is revealed as they, as they stare into this mirror. If God were to place you in, in front of a mirror that could reveal your greatest desire, your heart truly treasured, what would it be? For many of us, 
Sadly, the mirror would, would potentially reveal some very unpleasant things about our true values. By God's grace and God's grace alone, may you and I value Jesus Christ above all. And may our lives, as we treasure Christ, re- reflect a value that, that the world around us does not have. And may others also desire to possess our greatest treasure, our ultimate inheritance, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the life that we have only in him. And we pray that, that if there be any here who have not received eternal life, they would recognize that the value of Jesus and trust in him and in him alone for their salvation. We pray that you would remove those things in our life that, that, that pull us away from you, that cause us to, to worship uh, other things, other idols. Give us grace to worship you and you alone, and we pray this in the name of your Son alone, Jesus Christ, amen.